This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, today I want to talk about a character named Nehemiah, and uh, he's a, a, a very important character to me personally because in a time, in a very dark time in my own life, when I was walking and I was disillusioned, disappointed, all the diswords that you can use in front of your, your life, um, I found myself, um, although I was a Christian, Though I loved God, I really found myself lost. And I remember, um, lived in Grand Haven, had a, a beautiful wife, had a beautiful home on a lake. Um, I had, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of, I mean, it wasn't hurting financially. I wasn't hurting when it came down to having friends. But what I was really hurting for is I knew that God had a plan for my life. And I was struggling in that path. In fact, it seemed like every time I opened my mouth, things got worse. They just got worse. And, and what I didn't know is I didn't have a mentor. We're going to talk about today how important it is Nehemiah that it's important to prepare. Everybody say prepare. And I think that so many of us today don't even have preparation in our marriage. If you're going to get married, please, please seek marital counseling. And after you get, seek, after you get marital counseling, please seek marital mentorship. Because there's no place where the enemy wants to attack more than marriages. Or if you're going to get into a business, let me tell you something right now. I've opened a lot of different businesses. Every single one of them I've gotten counsel. Many people I know that are opening business, I give counsel. Or you're raising kids. I've, I have raised seven of them, raising a bunch of grandkids and stuff. I still seek counsel. This week I met my mentor seeking counsel for what I'm going through in the church right now. I'm almost 60 years old and I'm still seeking mentorship and counsel. I never come to the space where I think I know it all because I don't. Never. I want to have a teachable heart, a hungry heart, one that's ready for anything that God has. And as we read, I want you to turn with me to, to um, Nehemiah chapter 2. I'm going to give you a little bit of a snapshot before we get in. We're going to study Nehemiah for the next four weeks. We're going to study his character. Please read the book. It's not that many chapters. All right, get, in, get yourself in the storyline. And I know that you're going to read through it and some of it, you're going to get lost in some of it. And we're going to kind of unfold the book as we go for the next four weeks. But the first thing we're going to realize is that Nehemiah is a man, Philippians 2.13, where he talked about God is moving on his heart. So that's the first most important thing I want you to understand. God is moving on his heart to do something. I believe God's wanting to move on your heart, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be with your relationships, whether it be with your kids, whether it be with your finances, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be in getting rid of an addiction, whatever it is that God wants to move, he's always got a next step in your life. You're in a journey and the journey's never be stagnated. In fact, this is a book really written in a space where people were stagnant. And see, I was on that, I went, took a, that moment I took, where I was very discouraged in my life. I got in a fishing boat, and I'm not a fisherman, but I had a little fishing boat, and I went to this island that was on the river in Grand Haven, and I took my, uh, basically I took my Bible, I took a pillow, I didn't know what God was going to do and how long I was going to take, you know, and uh, I said, God, I'm not leaving this island until I'm different. 
I don't like me. You made me me, and I don't like me, and it seems like nobody else does either. And so I got to, you got to do something different. I don't know what kind of chemistry problem I have, but it's all the above. And I need your help. I need your assistance. And I ask God. And you know what's love? God loved me just the way I was, and I just needed a little bit of tweaking in the journey. Just like all of us do. And you know what I'm still needing today? A little tweaking in the journey. I still need it, just like I did then. But the journey's different today. It's evolved into more what God wants, but it's still tweaking in the journey. And what happened was, is that God told me, he says, turn to the book of Nehemiah. And I didn't really know much about Nehemiah at all. Other than I knew that he was a man that uh, was about to rebuild, you know, Jerusalem. That's about all I really knew. And so as I studied Nehemiah, God spoke into my heart. And I want to tell you something. What's so cool is when God speaks in your heart, he gives you the desires and he moves. And you know what? Then that journey takes shape. And he says, I'm going to make you a New Testament Nehemiah. So I want to unfold this for you a little bit. What was going on before we get into, and please turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to read from there in just a moment. It's important that you read along, get in your smart device, whatever you need to do, or your Bible that you have with you. But what happened was, is 70 years about before Nehemiah's time, there's a guy named Ezra in the Bible. And maybe you've read it, maybe you don't, but it's, it's right next to Nehemiah and Ezra. And sometimes they're not in perfect chronological order. In fact, Ezra and Nehemiah. Well, you know, and so, well, Ezra is before in this time. He's about 70 years, give or take a little bit of time. And Ezra is a priest. And God begins to move a people back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Now, what I want to share with you is what's so important for you to understand is that God has always used imagery to help people see him. He's always done that. That's why the Bible says have no other graven images. But he's always used imagery. So back in the, you know, what we can find is in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, we find where God begins, he he's moves in a pillar of a cloud, he, he moves in a fire. We see that he, he, he shakes a mountain and then he walks across the Red Sea. I mean, he's always showing himself mighty because he's a mighty God. And he uses imagery. He'll use the prophet, he'll use the priest, he'll use a king. God is always using imagery just like he is today. Now what's happening is in the Old Testament, a people would look mostly toward a temple. In fact, we find that King David wanted to build an actual temple, even though God up until that time was just showing up in a tent. Because God was trying to show him that it's about a presence, it's not about a building. And it's really the same thing about church today. It should be about his presence and not a building. And so here we are going on, and Nehemiah finds out He's caught at this time, 70 years old, and there's, what's happened is this first move of God comes through Ezra, and they build the temple in like 20 years. And then all of a sudden the people get lazy again, lethargic. They don't know what to do. I mean, the walls start rebuilt. There's all kinds of chaos. Nobody really wants to live there. It's just all kinds of rubble going on. And then Haggai and Zechariah, remember the old in the Old Testament? They're kind of two prophets in the Old Testament. They get all stirred up and they stir God's people up to continue to rebuild the temple and to continue to do the Lord's work. And they get them all stirred up and then all of a sudden they become despondent again. 
kind of like lethargic, kind of like what you see sometimes in the church. All of a sudden the church is all excited about doing something and then it gets lethargic. Then it's excited about doing something and then it's lethargic. Then it's excited about doing something. Well, here we are. It's the third, the third shift God moving in Nehemiah. Nehemiah's that person. Now, in that moment, you got to believe that Nehemiah's thinking, what am I going to do that's really going to make a difference that these other prophets and priests couldn't finish. I'm, he's, he's a wine taster for a king. And yet, Philippians 2.13, the truth, now it wasn't, obviously we're not in the New Testament yet, but Philippians 2.13 is a power, it's always worked. God works inside of us a desire and a power to do what he wants us to do. So what's working inside of Nehemiah is a power in a desire to do it, even though everything on the outside looks, it's impossible. In fact, we're, as we're going to unfold this book, it literally was an impossible task, but that's what God is, right? God makes things possible that are humanly impossible so the world can go, whoa, look what God can do in a marriage. Whoa, look what God can do in a child. Whoa, look what God can do in a children's ministry, a youth ministry. Look what God can do. That's what Philippians 2.13. And so Nehemiah resists the th same thing. Like I had to learn to resist the discouragement, the disillusionment, the disappointment in myself. He had to learn to stop listening to that noise and listen to the voice of God that was moving in his heart to say that God wants to work through his life in this time, in this place. I believe God wants to do something so special in these hours. I believe that time is not <laughs> gonna last much longer. We are in a very, we're, we're, we're in the world as a real downward spiral. Where the Bible says when that happens in the world, we should be in an upward spiral with God. That's what should be happening. And so I don't want us to miss that space. And the, what, we'll miss those tracks if we're not hearing because it's not about religion. It's not about a church name or title. It's all about a move of God that God wants to move upon his people. Are we gonna be a people that listen to his voice? Nehemiah chapter two, what can we learn from Nehemiah's journey? Two verse one, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, long live the king, how can I not be sad? The city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins. The gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. 
I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, for a, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. When I came to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates rivers, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen's, horsemen to protect me. Let's pray. Father, may this message be articulate, simple, but God, I pray that it move us to your plan. Here we are, 2022, Father. That God, we would be moved as individuals, would be moved as a church to be everything that you have called us to be, God. Loosen us from just the busyness or the chaos that's around us, God. Let, I pray that you breathe on us as you did in creation. You breathe creation. You spoke over creation. God, I pray that we hear your words, that we receive your words, your promises, and that we be everything that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, point number one, what I'd like to do and, and share with you, how important it is for us to, you know, to recognize that we need to have a plan. Nebag begins his journey with planning. He begins his plan his, his, plan with, his journey with a plan. If you're going to get married, you need to have a, you need to have a plan and it's more than who's gonna walk you down the aisle. It's more than all your best friends are gonna sit on the, you know, or stand up on this either side of you. All that is cool, that's the event. But you need a plan for your marriage. You need help. If you're gonna have kids, wonderful, I love it. Get a plan, every kid is unique and gifted differently. Figure out a plan, somebody that can mentor you along the way, that help you, to instruct you in this journey. Because the journey is worth it. There's nothing, I mean, you can't bring anything else in this world than an eternal being. Pastor Chad and Tracy just had another grandbaby. An eternal being just came into this world. Eternal, gonna live forever somewhere. Man, if there's something that's gonna live forever, I mean, we're gonna be building a house here soon. I have a plan, I know what to do. But let me tell you something, there's a lot, something a lot more important than a, a house. It's a child. We should have a, wow, that really just went over like a lead balloon, all right? We should have a, a plan. Did you know that right now in our public schools, I met with my mentor and he shared me some things. He goes, listen, when I was learning the alphabet, you know, A is for apple, B is for boy and blah, blah, blah. Did you know that right now in many public schools, I know in Granville, T stands for transgender. It's time for us to have a plan. It's time for us to have a truth inside of us. It's time for us not to do this. We as a church family need to recognize that God has made us in his image. And in his image, he has made us, amen? And so what happens is so many times we're letting the world tell our kids what God's plan is. And the world is gonna get it wrong every time, amen? We should be teaching our kids the truths. And then they go to their, they go to their school and go, no, that's not right, teach. That's not right. We should be doing that. We should be instructing them in righteousness. You can't expect, anyway, I'm gonna get on a tangent here. I don't have time for that, all right? It's time for us to have a plan. The church needs a plan. Met with Pastor Dwayne this week. Here's some cool things. First of all, you probably never heard of this gentleman named Rick Renner, but he's gonna be going to, he's gonna be a guest speaker at uh, Resurrection Life in Granville soon. I'll, I'll let you know when it is. But Rick Renner, I, I've had the, the 
I have had the privilege to be with this man in a personal way. Rick Renner now is in Moscow. Now, that may not mean anything to you other than he just lived out the book of Acts, okay? He literally had been in his house for seven months. He could not leave the premise. He would have been arrested and thrown in jail. What had happened was is that, you know, the governmental uh, situation at that time was taking his visa away. And so God had worked on another governmental situation. So God was, God is always at work. You have to listen. So he listened to his other, the cabinet from his other governmental friends and they gave him instructions to do not leave your house until I tell you to. Seven months later. Now in all this time, this craziness is going on. God has worked through this man. And see, he left this country, this nation, 20-some years ago with a thriving traveling ministry. He had over 60 invites to churches, thriving huge churches. He was writing books. He was doing great things for God. Yet Philippians 2.13 says, go to Ukraine, go to Moscow. And all of his friends, not all of them, but many of his friends are saying, that's crazy. What are you doing? He was following the voice inside of his heart. Power was working him. Desires were working him. He went over there. Let me just tell you something. Last week, 200,000 people in Russia were live streaming his message of God. Amen. Because he followed the dream. He followed the desire of what God is calling him to do. And yes, it has been met with much resistance in life. Pastor Duane said that now their church, and I want our church to do some things like this. Their church right now is financing a counseling center in Wyoming, Michigan. And what this counseling center is doing right now, you wouldn't even know it's Resurrection Life that's funding it, all right? Because it's, they make sure it's autonomous. But there's counselors there, Christian counselors. And the whole reason is, is to help young girls get out of sexting. The average age right now in Wyoming, Michigan area for sexting is 10 years old. And these young ladies have no idea what they're getting involved with. And so now they're helping these students. They're literally helping them get out of this crazy stuff. They're also building a 20-room apartment right now for girls that have been from the FBI. The FBI right now is going to Christian organizations or any organization that will build something to house these young ladies that have been caught in the system of being trafficked. And they don't know what to do with them. These girls have been through 10 men a day. And they're broken. They don't even know what to do. And yet what happens is, is if somebody doesn't pick them up, somebody doesn't house them, somebody doesn't love them and help them through all the pain, they'll go right back to the same system because that's all they know. Body of Christ, it's so cool to see. I'm busy, a part of an organization. You as a church are part of an organization that's making a huge difference. I believe that what God has called us to do is it's different. It's time for an awakening and there's a plan behind it. One more story that he just shared with me. I just got so excited this week. Anyway, one more story. He goes, he says, we were having church just like usual. And there's a young lady in our church family. And uh, she's from Afghanistan. I didn't know. Who knew? But he's, he, she's married to a guy in Wyoming. And so all of a sudden, you know what? They invite mom and dad. Well, mom and dad are from Afghanistan. And who knew that this, per, this couple from Afghanistan, what they've been called, Philippians 2.13, what God's moving on their heart is that there are people that love Jesus in Afghanistan that are marked for death and persecution. And so what he's done is raised up a ministry underground, bribing people, trying to get them out of Afghanistan into Pakistan. And so he's already got this group to go. Well, PayPal grabs his funds, $28,000, seized all his funds so that he couldn't do it, couldn't pay for it. So he happens to be in Resurrection Life in Granville. 
And so he goes before the king of the house. He goes to Pastor Dwayne. He goes, Pastor Dwayne, can you give me a loan? He says, I'm not going to give you a loan. Let me do some research because you have to seek counsel. Get a plan. So he gets counsel. The people that know to know. He doesn't know, but he knows people that know. And so they do some research and go, this is a legit situation. He comes in front of the church. They take an offering, $150,000 later. And now they have a whole ministry that's raising people out of Afghanistan and bring them into Pakistan. God moves upon our hearts. What is he moving now? I'm going to tell you something. What is God moving inside of your workplace? What is God moving inside of your life? God is always moving and wanting to do something. And so many times we just don't see it. How many have read in the book of Acts? We're in the book of Acts right now. The story of Paul when his, his life was threatened. And his nephew, do you remember it? I don't remember what chapter it was in. But Paul's nephew, you never hear about him other than this chapter. And Paul's nephew goes, hey, I overheard that they're going to go over there and they're going to they're kill my uncle. And so he goes to the Roman soldiers and says, hey, they're going to kill him. He saved Paul's life. He said, well, how important is that? Oh, I don't know. How important is the New Testament? Because Paul's life was spared, he wrote the New Testament. See, some of us may be that nephew. Some of us may be like the Apostle Paul. Some, I don't know what it is, but all of us play a link by listening to what God is saying in the hour he's talking us to do it. And all of us play a pivotal role in his plan. Nehemiah begins his journey with planning. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, God says. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Number two, and you know it's failure to prepare is to prepare to fail. Failure to prepare is to prepare to fail. In fact, um, there's a, a passage that I refer to all the time when I'm talking to marriages, and I go, Lamentations 1.9. She defiled herself with immorality and gave no thought to the future. Now she lies in a gutter. She means because she gave no thought. It was talking about Israel. It wasn't talking about a woman. It was talking about Israel. Because Israel didn't consider their future. Great was their fall. When you take no space of consideration how important your life is, although God does, great was her fail. Proverbs 14.8 says this, A wise man looks ahead, the fool attempts to fool himself and won't face facts. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. How many advisors do you have? I met with two of them this last week. Two advisors for this church and what God wants to do in this house. Number three, preparation needs to have order and steps. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 6 says, The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? And I told him, How long? He says, After I told him how long I'd be gone, the king agreed to my request. I'm almost out of time here. Um, number four, being prepared gives you strength and readiness for the opportunities God brings. Now, what most of us don't really know, and let me just give you a little more history about Nehemiah. Okay, um, well, here we are, Ahasuerus is the king, and, and, and he's sitting with the queen. But what you don't know is who dad is. Dad is King Xerxes. Now, that may not mean really much to you, but Xerxes was married to Esther. You remember the story of Esther? 
and how miraculous that whole moment. In fact, if you don't, please read it. So Queen Esther, who's Xerxes, you know, wife, you know that what happened is, is that whole point of Esther, all God was doing, he was, God was saving the Jewish people through Queen Esther. So no wonder you have the moment, all of a sudden, Nehemiah is now talking to the son or stepson, Ahasuerus, and speaking, he says, hey, can you please help me with my people? What people is that? Well, it's the Jewish people. Wait a minute. Didn't mom and dad do a big deal here? Or what about grandpa? Grandpa was Darius. And Darius, oh, by the way, if you read the book of Daniel, that's the story of the lion's den. So there's always been God, even though there's been times and seasons where it seems like, where are you, God? It seems like we're all we are is captive and things are going poorly or sadly. God is always positioning people in the right place at the right time so that hearts are still listening to God. That's who our God is. Is God positioning you in your workplace? Is God positioning you in your neighborhood? My wife and I are going to be moving to a different neighborhood. The first thing that I want to do, because I didn't do it, I say this as an apology to God. I was intimidated by my new neighbors. Instead of realizing that God wanted to work with me, I'm so thankful that I had, through a lot of prayer, that after 20 years living in that neighborhood, God began to work through our lives. But I believe it could have started out much better. We were not prepared for it. This one, we will be prepared. And not in some condescending, well, I'm pastor and you should listen to me. No. Just, hey, how can I help? I'm moving in the neighborhood. How can I help with the neighbors? How can I help in this area? I mean, there's one particular name, guy that lives in the neighborhood. His name is Ron. <laughs> and I just go, Ron is just, he's just a slave to that neighborhood. And I want, you know what? Maybe Ron number two can really help in that same area and we can build a relationship. And you know what I mean, what's really amazing? This guy is really, he's, he's, an, he's an engineer, he's brilliant. And the second Ron, not. <laughs> I'm not that guy. But I'm not intimidated, I'm excited about having a relationship with Ron the engineer. And I can't wait to talk, and I can't wait for him to ask the question. He goes, why are you helping so much? Well, because Philippians 2.13 told me to. It's God working inside of my heart, giving me the desire to do what pleases him. Because he loves you, Ron. What if all of us just start listening to what God wants to do in our neighborhood or for our marriage or for our children or for the children of this church or for the youth of this church? What if we're all in that space it's time we hear God's voice. It's time you say, well, Pastor, I don't even know where to start with that. Can I just, I, I want to share this with you, okay? Really simple. Quiet yourself. Put some praise and worship music on. Get to the point where the, you sing the songs, and then you stop singing the songs. And you just listen to what God's saying. You say, well, you know what? Here's what he'll say. I, I will guarantee you the first thing he's going to say. I love you. 
When you hear that, everything is built on that. Because God builds on love. For God so loved the world. He's not going to instruct you. He's not going to lead you. He's not going to go over there and and discipline you until you really know that you are loved by him. That you're loved by him. It's where you should always, every child that comes in this world should always have assurance of love. Every baby that comes into this world should have the presence of a parent's love. Amen? Every spiritual child that comes in God's world, born again, should have the presence of God's love. And if you've never had that, then I say, get to this altar during worship. Put yourself and say, and then just, God, I know you love me. God, I know you love me. But why did, why did this happen to mom and dad? Why did so-and-so die? Why did my cousin die? Why did they take their life? And God, I know you love me. God's love doesn't fix your problems. God's, live, God's love is a presence to help you through your problems. It doesn't fix them. It's a presence to help you through them. And God's love in the church isn't to fix your problems. God's love and presence in the church is to help you through your problems. And we are better together. Whatever you're going through, you will be better with love going through it. And God's love and his family's love. Father, I thank you for the presence of your love. I thank you, Lord, that you give us historical times like Nehemiah. God, thank you for Esther. Thank you for Daniel. Thank you for these these powerful kings that ruled the world at that time, yet were touched by you through Mordecai or touched through you by Daniel being thrown in a lion's den. These stories that we read as children, sometimes we lack the, the insight that they were pivotal moments throughout history to touch the next generation. It's never about just us here. It's always about the here and now and those coming, your children. If you're here this afternoon and you don't have a presence of his love, you don't understand how God has forgiven you and loves you and has a plan for your life. It's not evident and you're longing, you have an emptiness on the inside of your life, then you can join the man who lit that candle today. God wants to light the candle of your heart inside of you today. And all it is is a prayer way. No magic in the prayer. It's the power of God working his desire of his love to start out with you, inside of you. And all you need to do is open yourself up to it. If that's you, whether you're watching on TV right now or online or hearing it, or you're here present, pray this prayer with me right now. All of you. Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life to your love, to your forgiveness. Jesus, I accept what you've done on the cross for my sins. I give my life in your hands. In Jesus' name. 
Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.